Everybody have a good Merry Christmas? Yeah? All right. And uh, so now we're, we're kind of positioning ourselves for a new year, and I thought it'd be um, kind of in, in uh, you want your rubber ducky back? No, I got, I already got mine. No, I got plenty. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but in, in alignment with our launching of uh, Celebrate Recovery, uh, I wanted to do a series uh, called New Year, New You, and talk about, you know, just uh, the possibility of change in our lives, and uh, as these guys were talking about uh, the different reasons to come to Celebrate Recovery, I was, you know, I was, I was thinking about it's not really a matter of if, uh, if you have anything that you need to work on. That's not really the question, because we all, we all have something. We all have something right? So it's not really about if. It's not like if that would work for me or if, if that's a good thing for me. It is. The, the real question is when. When uh, are you and when am I, you know, going to take that next step in our life to deal with something, to pursue God's uh, best, to get rid of something or to rework something or to change something. So it's not really if, it's just when. And I just want to encourage you, this is a great time uh, to, do, to do this, because it's new for us. Um, it's a new, fresh beginning. Um, this program is going to be a great tool to help, to help all of us just be who God's called us to be. And so I want to talk about that a little bit today and in the next couple of weeks, okay? So a new year and a new you, and this is not a self-help series. It is actually the opposite. It is a no-self-help series, Stop trying to help yourself, series. And that's saying something because when I used to, uh, like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when I, was, when I used to preach, all of my messages, when I look back on them, they were basically self-help messages because I was under, um, I, I, I will, I'll put it this way, as I speak today, I was under the wrong mindset in, uh, at the, that time in my life. And so I, I share this quite a bit, and I'm going to share this again today about a different mindset that God wants us to have and that Jesus modeled for us. So um, today, I want to give you guys this verse to think about and meditate on this week, okay? 2 Corinthians 5.21. Let's get excited about this. God made him who had no sin, let's read it together, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He made this exchange with us, okay? He took our sin upon himself and he gave us his righteousness. And the question is, do you believe that or not? And uh, you may say, yeah, I believe that. And we sang some songs that were really in alignment with today's message today about love, uh, the love of God. I, I remember one phrase in one of the songs that said, your blood covers all my sin, uh, your grace empowers me to win, that's a great line. I mean, that is really good theology. It really is. His blood really has covered all your sins. And his grace, his spirit has come alongside of you to actually empower you to win, to live a life of freedom. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And that's what this message means. And a lot of times we sing songs and we read verses and we agree with them, but then we start living. <laughs> and, the, and the way that we live shows us that we actually don't really know what we're agreeing to. 
it hasn't really settled in our hearts because we're not actually living as if we are the righteousness of God, as if we are free, as if God really does love us and it has accepted us, as if we don't have anything to lose anymore because we've got everything in him. We don't always process things and really get it, but we agree with them, but we don't really get it. And I'm praying that God will help all of us really get it, that we really are loved and we really are forgiven and we can really turn our life over to his care and give him control because this is not about a self-help program. So when I, I, I'm just making a big deal of that because when you look at the title, it really seems like it's time for you to get your act together. New year, new you. And that's what we all like to do. We like to make all these goals and I'm going to do this and I'm going to change that and I'm going to start this. And that's fine, but this message is not about you doing all this self-improvement. This, this, this series is about you realizing that, that it's not you doing the work, but allowing God to do that work in you. Okay, it's a huge difference. So anyway, um, today I want to talk about, and I believe the, the process for change, the beginning point of any change that, that takes place in our life that's, that's lasting and real is going to be to do with our identity. What is, so today we're going to look at what is uh, my identity, what is your identity? And I, I look at it this way. Um, am I, are you living a sin-conscious life or a son-conscious life? The son is Jesus. Is your, the glasses, I just got a new pair of, uh, you know, sunglasses this weekend. Because they had a really good sale. So got these new pair of glasses because we're going to go to Florida later this year. Woo! Careful, yes. So, we're, so I got my glasses. And I put them on, and, you know, if you're inside and you put sunglasses on, you know, everything gets a little darker. Now, I, I, I think about that. Sometimes we have these glasses that we have on in life, and if you've ever had, like, a blue, you know, blue-tinted ones, everything's got a little tint of blue. And if you wear them a lot, you just get used to seeing everything like that. And I think a lot of us, we have these sin-conscious glasses on, and we just look at everything through this, through this lens and, uh, and today I want to help you see that you can look at life differently. You can look at life not through your, um, either your performance of doing well and, or your lack of performance and you're doing poorly because when we start thinking that way, we're living with a sin consciousness. We're focused on sin. We're focused on whether we're doing good or bad whether we feel good about what we've been doing or bad about what we've been doing, versus a son consciousness, which is Jesus is on your mind. And you're focused on what Jesus has done for you, what he is doing in you, who you are in him, and it has nothing to do with your performance, but who he is and what he's doing. And it actually changes your life. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So I just want to share this. We are forgiven so that we can be free, okay? So would you mind saying that with me? We are forgiven so that we can be free. We can live free. That's why I like that line. Your blood has covered all my sin. Your grace empowers me to win. There's a point to my forgiveness. But the point to God's forgiveness in our lives is not so that uh, we just don't go to hell, but we just keep struggling in life through, through sin. The point of forgiveness was to reset us and train us to depend on him so that we can actually live a different life. 
We can live a life that's free. We don't have to live lives of, you know, medicating ourselves. And we all have different ways of doing that. We all have different crutches we lean on and uh, defense mechanisms and walls that we've built and all kinds of problems that, that we're trying to, you know, figure out how to live with, right? But God wants you to be free, right? Jesus said, I came that you might have life to the full, abundant. And so that's the kind of uh, direction God wants to take us. So, but we tend to, in terms of our identity, just think about this with me. We tend to identify, identify ourselves with our failures or our past or labels that others put on us or that we put on ourselves or things that people have said to us, maybe our parents or a coach or a teacher, um, whether that's, in your mind, a good thought or a bad thought, you may have had positive things spoken to you. And then I know a friend who uh, was growing up, and his dad always says, that's a good little boy. That's who you are. You're my good little boy. And so his identity was, I got to be a good little boy. And he grew up, and that actually turned out to be a very heavy burden for him to bear because his identity was, I have to always be good because my dad said, I'm a good boy. And then, uh, you know, I know it sounds weird, but that became twisted in his own mind and became this huge burden and pressure on him. And so it could be good or bad, and yet we identify ourselves with things from the past, labels, things that we've done, things that we haven't done. Anybody can witness to what I'm saying, right? That's what we tend to, and here's the word, identify ourselves with. We say, that's who I am. That's who I've always been. That's who people see me as. That's what they told me I was. This is who I am. And, and that's our identity, right? But the Bible makes it clear that in Christ we have a new identity. We are supposed to identify ourselves now with something different, actually with someone different, right? And so here's what the Bible says very clearly. I know you know this, but in 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Okay? The old is gone. The new is here. Okay? So when we are in Christ, that is our new identity. But some of us haven't switched our identity internally yet. Even though you may have been a Christian for a long time. I was a Christian for a long time, and I still didn't have that identity. I was still identifying with my need to be a good person. That was one of my struggles. And, and so um, I wasn't free. But our identity is in Christ, and the challenge is to grow accustomed to our new identity. That's the challenge, right? If you're used to doing something one way, and then all of a sudden everything's new, now you have to learn how to do something a different way, that's what this is all about. It's like we were used to sinning. We were used to living a self-preservation life. We were used to putting up defense mechanisms. We were used to reacting. We were used to fear. We were used to holding something back, you know, holding our cards close to our, our chest, uh, not being real with people. That's what we were used to because of our failures and our sin and our shame and our guilt. That's just what we all can relate to. That is how we are used to living. 
That's what was normal to us. Not that it was good, but that's what was our normal way of behaviors and interactions with our world. There's certain things we're going to hold back. There's certain things we're going to hide. There's certain things we're going to be ashamed of and we're going to try to bury and forget. And there's certain people we're going to stay away from and certain subjects we're going to stay away from. And we're going to build walls around certain things and we're going to depend on other things. Okay, so we all know that stuff, right? And yet, there's a new identity in Christ, and the goal or the challenge is how to grow accustomed to a new way of living, a new set of truths that I actually can be real and honest, that I'm actually forgiven even though I really screwed up. It doesn't change the fact that I I have screwed up, but that I am forgiven, and I can still be, and I'm still accepted And when we come into that space of this new way of living, it actually brings freedom to us. Brings freedom to us. Brings life to us. And that's what we're talking about. So um, to help us do that, God created this thing called the church. People in this together. Okay? And he gave gifts to all of us actually to help Build each other up and to help us learn how to love and forgive and accept and to learn how to work through the, these issues in our lives. That, that's why he gave us each other. So we need each other to come to this thing the scriptures call, Paul calls, the fullness of Christ or the, the absolute fullness that God has for you. And it's in Ephesians chapter 4 um, and verse 11 to 14, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. And he's equipped every one of us with different gifts to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, that's you, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God wants you to have all of it, all that for which Christ has purchased your life. He wants you to experience the full, abundant life. And he says that it's through the body of Christ that each of us is building each other up. We need to grow in unity in our faith. And there's this thing called growing in the knowledge of the Son of God. Who's the Son of God? Jesus. So growing in the knowledge of Jesus. Who is Jesus? What has he done? Who is he in me? What's he doing now? What's my new identity? And as we learn that, as we grow in that, we grow in maturity, we grow into the the, the fullness of who God is for us, okay? This is all introduction, um, just because, uh, you know, trying to set the tone for the whole series. So the key in identifying ourselves as new in Christ is to focus on Jesus, not focus on ourselves, This is the key. It's learning how to live life, focusing on Jesus, not on ourselves. How am I doing? How did I do? Did I do that right? Um, And and it's all all about our performance. What has Jesus done for us? Who does he say that you are? What does he say you can do? And what is he going to do in you, and through you? Do you know those answers? Um, because they're, 
They're in the Bible. Who is he? What has he done for you? What has he said he's going to do in you and through you? What can you do through him? Do you know those answers? That is the stuff that, that those are the glasses that I want you to just put on. And you just start looking at life through who Jesus is, who he says you are, what he's done for you, and what he's going to do in you, and what he's going to do through you. And you start looking at all of life that way, and it completely changes your life, okay? Instead of focusing on our failures, our sin, our problems, and trying to fix them, and trying to be better people. So when we try to say, oh, I'm screwing up this, now I need to do better on that, who's the focus on? Me and my performance. When I focus on Jesus and I say, this is Jesus, here's an issue, here's a problem, and we invite him into that problem and we say, I don't understand why, or maybe I do, but help me, and then we start looking at who am I, Lord, what have you done for me, and who do you say that I am, we start focusing on that, we begin to be empowered, like that song says, to actually win at life. Instead of me trying to fix myself, I allow God to do that work in me and through me, okay? I think, what'd you say? Let go and let God. So it's that. It's letting go of control and of our personal efforts, self-effort, self-sufficiency, and rely on son-sufficiency, right? Self-sufficiency or son-sufficiency, Jesus-sufficiency. So let's consider some truths here. Number one, we are forgiven of our sins. So that is a truth. Um, If your brain is arguing with you, then you just need to keep arguing with it until you win, okay? And you need to get some scriptures in in your heart. And you need to meditate on that truth until it is settled in your heart. You really are forgiven. Okay, another truth. We are loved for who we are, not what we've done or what we do. God loves you. That's true. You, you may uh, have grown up in a culture or an environment where you needed to do certain things to feel loved or accepted. But that's not how it works with God. While you were yet a sinner, God demonstrated his love towards you in this that he gave. He gave his life for you, right? So, no, God, God does not love you when. God loves you. God doesn't love you if. God loves you. That's a truth. God absolutely loves you right now. No matter what your your performance looks like, God loves you. That is a truth. you got to get that in your heart. It will change your life. Um, you are accepted. We are accepted by God. Jesus came for us. God came for us. He came to save us. He came to redeem us. He came to love us. He came to be with us. He came to rescue us. He came to get us, get us back in the fellowship with him. God's for you. He's accepted you. You're his son. You are his daughter. He loves you. He is after you. Okay? Uh, th- those are truths. And we are, are do- we are adopted into God's family and all of the, the rights that come with that. Now, here's some, some, uh, some of the past, though, uh, that's trying to cling to us. We were bound by sin. 
We were bound by sin, and so that, that past wants to hold us to that. Our, our past wants to cling, wants us to stay stuck to that. We were bound by sin. We were bound by sin. We are not bound by sin anymore, but we were bound by sin. And so the past says, no, 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 you're an alcoholic. No, 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 come back here. No, that's who you are. And so we have to make a decision. Are we going to identify with a new identity? I say, oh, no, 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 I'm no longer that. I was, but I'm no longer that now. I have a new identity in Christ. And the fact is the spiritual, the spiritual power behind these statements are real are real. Jesus really did destroy the power of sin over our lives. Okay? He did. There's a whole lot of scriptures that talk about that. All right? We were alienated from God, but we're not alienated from God anymore. You know how many people I've talked with that, that um, gave their life to Christ, gave their life to God, but since whenever that decision was made, they've made some mistakes and they feel like God is far from them? It's the past. Whispering, calling them, oh, no, you're, God, God's mad at you now. He's, you know, he's not close to you. That's not true anymore. God is with you. We were alienated from God, but now we have been adopted into his family. We are in his family. Sin no longer separates us from God because by faith in Christ, it's forgiven. It's over. God has blotted it out. Um, that's good news. We were darkened in our understanding, but we're no longer darkened in our understanding. God is allowing us to learn and grow. We were deceived by lies, but we're no longer deceived. We know the truth, and the truth sets us free. We, we thought we were unloved. We thought we were, we were rejected. We thought we were unwanted, but that's not true. God wants you. He's accepted you. He loves you, okay? So these are just some truths, and so... Because of these things from the past, we were bound, we were deceived, we felt unwanted, unloved, unaccepted. Um, because of that, that's our past. We all share that past together because we were all born into sin. Because of that, we developed all kinds of, like I call survival techniques or crutches or defense mechanisms or patterns of self-preservation or self-protection. We acted and we reacted in life in our past out of fear out of insecurity, out of survival, uh, as if we were on our own, our own protectors, our own providers, uh, our own judge. And that style of living, because of that sin, that style of living put walls between us and others, which resulted in a lack of intimacy, a lack of acceptance, a lack of love, because you, you can't be loved when you're, you're holding back, right? You can't do that when you have walls and barriers, that style of living put us under a lot of pressure because we learned to not trust anyone. We couldn't trust anyone but ourselves, and, uh, and that resulted in us feeling alone, hurt, uh, angry, skeptical, sarcastic. Um, you know, we, we, we were fearsome, sometimes jealous, sometimes bitter, angry, uh, and, and those are the emotions that come from that sin-infested mindset, and the results of living in that stuff, okay? All kinds of crud, all kinds of stuff that, that takes away joy and intimacy and love. 
So we need to undergo a major transition, right, in our walk from self-sufficiency, trying to survive this world and the mess that's, that we're, we're in, to from self-sufficiency to Jesus-sufficiency or, or son-sufficiency. We have to make that change. We have to surrender, you know, the control. And to do that, I, I say that we need to no longer see ourselves uh, with a sin consciousness, but we need to see ourselves as a son con- with a son consciousness, okay? Where that needs to be our, uh, our, mo- our normal operating uh, system of processing life is through Jesus now, not through ourselves. So to help you, like, I want to just tell a couple stories uh, uh, that are in the Bible. To help you see Jesus and how he, how he is teaching us, okay? First story you want to talk about is a man in John chapter 5. And he was, the Bible says he was an invalid for 38 years. So I think he was paralyzed, okay? He couldn't walk. He was at this pool where occasionally the tradition goes, the waters would be stirred by some angels, and whoever the first one was into the pool would get healed. And so Jesus is at this pool, and he's walking around, and he sees this man, and he, and, he, and he turns to him, and he says, hey, do you want to get well? So this man's been in this condition for 38 years. Do you want to get well? Isn't that cool? God cares about you. And this whole thing is about you getting well, about you being alive, about you being rescued out of this whole life of chaos into his, his life of peace. And so then he says, sir, um, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And, and so Jesus just asked him the question, Are, do you want to get well? And he's like, well, I can't get well. Nobody here to help me into the pool. I'm never there fast enough. And he's not even answering the question. Have you noticed that? And so here God is for you and for me this year. And he's, he's like, hey, are you ready? Are you ready to get well? You've been dealing with this thing for 38 years. All right, you've been feeling rejected for 38 years. All right, you've been feeling like you're a screw-up for 38 years. You've been, you've been going through this addiction for 38 years or two years or 10 years, whatever. And Jesus comes to us and says, hey, are you ready to get well? And we're like, well, that's not a good time. Or, well, I can't do that right now because, well, I need to focus on this instead. Or whatever. We just come up with stuff. It's not a matter of if, it's when. When are you going to say, yes, yes, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to get well. What I've been doing hasn't been working, okay? It's not working. Anyway, God wants you to be well. God loves us. He's for us. Oh, man, he wants to rescue us out of all that stuff. And so um, he's going into the, and then Jesus just says to him after this stuff, he says, get up. (laughs) Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. He didn't even, like, want to hear anymore. He just said, get up. (laughs) Let's go. And the man got healed. He just stood up. After 38 years, uh, Jesus healed him. And here's what drives me crazy. He's walking around, uh, he, and, and the problem is this happened on the Sabbath, okay? And the religious people of the day had this rule that you couldn't do any work on the Sabbath. And part of working on the Sabbath meant you can't carry anything. So this guy rolls up his mat after 38 years. He picks his mat up, 
and he's walking, he's healed, it's a miracle. And the religious people are like, hey, you can't do that. You can't carry that mat. You can't do that work. And here's, let me just read it for you. It's so funny. It says, the day in which this took place was the Sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. They weren't like, wow, this is a miracle. This is amazing. No, they're like, what are you doing? You shouldn't be walking around with that mat carrying that thing. The law forbids. The law forbids. Okay? And, and so he said, they said to him, uh, the man who made me well said to pick up my mat and walk. And they said, who's this guy who told you to pick up this mat and walk? Who is him? You know, they wanted a piece of him. Um, and so it's so crazy. Now, here's what I want to share with you about this story is the law forbids this man to carry a mat. And Jesus told this man to stand up, pick up his mat, go home. He made him well. He gave him freedom. The law is this idea that I'm talking to you about when I say a sin consciousness is a consciousness of the law. It is, am I measuring up to the religious expectations, right? Am I measuring up to the law? And it's filtering everything through a personal performance versus what God has for you, and that is a relationship with him. And it's just so ironic to me that this man is healed and the law is not celebrating, the law is measuring, the law is quantifying, the law is all about human performance, and they totally missed what God just did. God just healed this man. Jesus just healed this man. And, uh, but under the law, if we live under the law, we are convicted of sin. And I lived this way for a long time, so I know what I'm talking about. We, are, we feel convicted of sin, and we're actually restricted from being free. It, it's, it just, it's just, you can't, you can't find freedom that way. But under grace, we're forgiven first. We're forgiven of our sin, and it actually empowers us to be free. Uh, in my personal life, when I, when I came to this, this, uh, the switch in my life, um, the things that I had tried to work on in myself for years without great success or any consistent change, all of a sudden were, were changed over here when I released it and I accepted God's love and his forgiveness. And it was, it was radical change in my life that I had tried to change on my own. And I couldn't do it. The grace of God, the mercy of God, is what frees us from sin. doesn't just forgive us. It frees us when we trust in him, when we give, give it all to him. And so um, that's why in Romans 8, 29, it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And so God wants to Mold us back into his image, into the image of his son, so that you are fully alive and fully free and full of life. Our identity controls our perspectives, our reactions, our decisions, and our self-talk and our emotions. So whatever we're identifying with is what's really controlling all of our decisions. It's controlling how we view and interpret uh, situations around us. So if we have a perspective that 
I'm unloved, then we see, we see the way people are treating us all around us as that, see, they don't love me either. They don't love me. He doesn't love me. She doesn't love me. They just walked by. They didn't give me a card. I didn't get invited to that party. Da, 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 da. And we just see it all. It's just like, woo, I'm not loved. You, have you ever experienced that before? Whatever, we, whatever our identity is, is how we see and interpret everything around us. Like you're, you're saying, Chris, you're saying you found out that I was the problem. It wasn't all the people around me. It was how I was seeing things. So, But when you see who you are in Christ and you are loved and you, and you start to understand it, and I still pray that God helps me get that more and more because there's so much more for me to learn in this. But when I'm walking as if I am loved by God, in, in my identity, when my identity is straight, and I know, man, I am lo- God loves me and he wants me and he's for me, when I'm doing that, I see everything different around me. It's just totally different. And so that's what we want to do. So in, in, Jesus goes on to talk to this guy. He catches him later because this guy's being grilled by these religious people. And he finds him later in the temple. And um, he talks to them and he says, after this healing, he comes back up to him and he says this, see, in John 5, 14, you are well again. See, you are You are well. You are healed. He's talking to this guy. You are healed. And then he says this. And I want to use this as an an example of two different ways of interpreting this. He says this. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. So Tim Hobson, 16 years ago or so, would read that verse and be like, oh, boy. This is how I heard it. This is how I heard it. Now, look at what I've done for you. Now, you better not sin anymore or something worse is going to happen to you. You better watch out. You better watch out. You better toe the line because I've done this for you, and now you better, you better not sin. Anybody else kind of see where you could possibly think that? Okay. What do you think? So that's a, that would be what I would say would be a sin-conscious view of God. Someone who is, who is in this place that says, I have to do the right things. My performance is what is important here. I've got to do the right things. I've got to stop doing the wrong things. I've got to pay God back. I've got to be careful. I need to... You know, okay, so that's a, this is a sin-conscious mindset. Now, what is a, uh, a sun-conscious mindset? Okay, let me just kind of put some words to that. Let's say that Jesus might be saying something like this. Now, this is who you are. Now you're well again. This is what I made you for, to be well. Now you are free to live a different life without sin. You don't have to continue, you know, in sin anymore. You can live in this wholeness, but sin will try to take you down. Don't give in to it. That's how I see it now. I see Jesus, he wants this guy to be well. He's not threatening him. He's not, you know, he's trying to share truth with him. You can be free now. This is who you're made to be. You're made to be well. Doesn't it feel good to be, feel good? <laughs> yeah, you know. Now, now don't let sin take that away. Don't give in to sin because it will take that away. 
And uh, the, other, the other part of this, of course, is that the, the, the big question is, did he trust in Christ for his eternal salvation, right? Uh, because that's what Jesus was always trying to do, is try to give people faith in him for their eternity. Let me do another story. I love this story. We talk about the story a lot. It's in John chapter 8, and it's a woman, uh, an adulterous woman, who Jesus forgives in John chapter 8. And uh, there, there, so there's this crowd of people. It's very interesting. Uh, the, this crowd of religious people brings this woman in front of Jesus. They drag her in front of Jesus. This is crazy. And uh, they don't bring the man. Doesn't it take two to have an adulterous affair? Okay. Uh, and so the, according to the law, both of these people should be in trouble, but just the woman is brought in front of Jesus. So it's already a setup. It's already, this is a messed, a messed up situation. These guys don't really care about the law. They're, the Bible says they're trying to trick Jesus. They're trying to trap him because if he says to them, hey, look, we're going to let her go, then all the religious leaders would know he's not obeying the Torah, and now they got him on, on their own religious grounds. But if he does stone this woman, like they suggest, then the Romans are going to get him because the Jews weren't allowed to execute anybody. So they're trying to trap him. And so they drag this woman in front of Jesus, and they tell, hey, teacher, you know, the, the law says, and they're twisting the law, by the way. It wasn't exactly uh, what the law says, but they said the law says we should stone this person. What do you say? Right? So here she is, all these accusers, and all of these guys are in the camp of the sin consciousness, right? They see sin, and they're like, let's pounce on it, right? They want judgment. They want vengeance. They want the, the performance wasn't good enough. Let's get her. Let's get her, you know? And so, um, so Jesus is writing in the, in the dirt, and then they ask him, and then he says this to them. He says, uh, they kept asking him, questioning him what to do. So he says, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. It says that from the oldest to the youngest, they began to drop their stones. The old, old guys you know, dropped their stones first because they know, oh, man, I got yeah, okay, I got it. And so finally, there's nobody left, just her and Jesus. And what was Jesus saying when he said, you know, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. What is, what is he saying? He looks at her and he says uh, to her, woman, where, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, sir. Then he says this, then in verse 11, then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. I don't condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus isn't condoning her sin, but he gave her mercy. He made her whole. And he says, now, now you can leave that life and live a whole new one. Isn't that beautiful? Um, now, the people, the crowd, they wanted the law to declare adulterer. And Jesus, in a sense, declared her a daughter a daughter. You see, what Jesus was saying was this. By, by this story and by his actions, sin is actually not the problem here. Everyone's like, all the sin people, sin conscious people, get really ticked off with, when, a, when if I say something like this. 
So if you're getting really ticked off, join me on the other side, okay? Okay, because here's what I'm saying. Sin actually isn't the problem. It's a symptom. Sin is a symptom. We spend our whole life focusing on sin, but that's a symptom. It's not the real problem. The real problem is that we're not relying on Christ. We're self-sufficient. Every self-sufficient person sins. That is what happened in the garden. Remember? That's the basis of all of this mess, is we left God and we said, I'm going to do it on my own. That's sin. That's a symptom. The symptom is sin. The problem is we need to give control back to God. And whenever God has control, there isn't sin. Whenever you have control, there's sin. It's a symptom. So there's a couple of challenges here for this uh, message for you to think about. One is your personal, your personal stuff. And, and that is to, to, to somehow, I'm trying to help you see how God sees you. He's not looking at the sin. He's looking at your heart. He wants you. He wants you to rest in him. He wants you to trust in him. He wants you to stop trying to preserve or create your own, your own you know, sufficiency. He, he wants you to trust in him. All sin is a symptom that you're not trusting in God. That's all it is. You're, go, you're going to make a mess of it without him. Okay, That's just what happens. So the sin isn't that big a deal to God because he's already forgiven it. If he's already forgiven your sin, then the rest of this journey is him trying to help you see that you could come out of that and trust and rest in him. That's what Jesus did. He didn't even lecture this woman. He didn't, he didn't uh, make sure that she was going to toe the line. Like if I, left you off, if I let you off on this, how many of us parents have done All right. Let's talk about this for a minute. You better make sure. Now, if I, if I did, you know, no, he didn't do that. He said, I don't condemn you either. And then, out of that forgiveness, Jesus knows, God knows is how it works. Out of that love, acceptance, and forgiveness, now, hey, doesn't that feel good? You can live this way all the time. You can live this way all the time. You can leave that life of sin. That's not who you are. You're my daughter. You're not an adulterer. You're my daughter. You're in the family. You don't need that love. You don't have to run and try to get that kind of love. You got a better love. Do you see? In the depths of her heart, she discovered a greater love than whatever she was trying to get on her own. Do you understand? That was the real issue. Of course, that's called sin, but we think, oh, that's sin. Okay, I know, it's bad. It hurts people. It's a mess. I understand that. But that's not the real issue. There's a reason why we sin. There's a reason why we do what we do. It's because our hearts are not connected to the fullness of God yet, of who he is in that area of our lives. You see what I'm saying? God doesn't look at us and say, man, you know, Tim, he has got to get that part of his life back together again. I'm just so disappointed in him because of that. He doesn't see that. He just sees my heart. He wants me. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, because 
The religious people don't see it that way at all. We want to judge. Uh, we, we want to point out. We want to fix. Um, and this person has got to do this, 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 and this. But that happens when the real issue in their heart is settled with God. That stuff happens. That stuff changes when we come into that awareness of who God is and how much he loves us and what he's done for us, okay? So Jesus says that that's the truth that sets us free. He says, if you hold to my teaching in John 8, later in this story, a couple later in this chapter, he says this, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know and experience truth, and that truth will set you free. If you will just trust me, if you'll hold on to my teachings, if you follow me, you will know the truth, you'll experience this truth, and it'll set you free from all of that stuff. Isn't that cool? All right, another quick story. Uh, no, we're out of time, bummer. Um, I'll skip that one. I'll mention that one, and we'll wrap things up. So there's a paralytic guy who is healed in Mark chapter 2. His uh, buddies dig a hole in the, in the ceiling of a house, uh, Peter's uh, mother-in-law's house, actually, drops him down in front of Jesus, and there's a showdown between the religious people who are there and Jesus. Uh, and so, of course, it's, an, it's a Sabbath again. And uh, actually, I'm not sure if it is a Sabbath or not. That's not, that's not the main point I want to make. So I'm not even sure about that. I don't want to say that. But, but, but what he says to this man is Jesus sees this, this man and he says something to kind of instigate and stir up this, this difference between what people were thinking and what he was trying to teach. And he said this, he says, what is easier, which is easier to say to the paralytic, to this man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. So he's saying, what is easier, to, to say to this man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, even though you're paralyzed, stand up. And of course, the human answer would be, they're both impossible to man. Man cannot forgive sins, and man can't just tell another man to stand up and be healed. It's impossible. So Jesus was, was showing them, you can't do any of this stuff. You can't forgive sins, and you can't heal, but the Son of Man can do both. And so at first he said, your sins are forgiven, and all the religious people are like, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? And then he says to the man, this is really cool. I love how this is written. John chapter 9. I want to look at it specifically real quick because it, it just struck me. So he says, um, where's that? Oh, I'm in, wrong, I'm in the wrong book. Mark, sorry. Mark chapter 2. So this is how my Bible reads. He says, what was it easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up, take your mat, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, dot, 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 dot. So I'm not sure all what he said. It just says, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he stood up, and he was healed. Everybody was freaking out. 
And Jesus was saying, if I can heal this man of being paralyzed, I'm telling you, I can also forgive sins and restore people, not just physically, but, you know, spiritually to God. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to restore all of us spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. And the reason why he came was so that we could experience the fullness of the life that he made possible. Okay? So I want to challenge us this coming year um, to, to consider what does God want to do in me? And how can I start to think differently? And how do you develop this sun consciousness, and how do, you, how do you step across that bridge? Um, I would say that just do what you already know to do, but do it with intentionality of pursuing Jesus and putting your thoughts on who he is, what he's done, who he says you are. But I, I tell you, I think Celebrate Recovery is a great program to help you do that if you've been struggling like I used to in this way of looking at life. Because what, right now, if you're, if you're struggling with a different identity, you need time and you need uh, some people around you uh, to be able to process that and begin to just work it out piece by piece, day by day, to get that new identity just become immersed into who you are. I see some of the people that have been doing the Celebrate Recovery kind of nodding their heads at times, you know, because it's a process of learning. I don't have to live that way anymore. I don't have to think that way anymore. I don't have to view everything that way anymore because that's actually not true of who I am anymore. So I'd really encourage you to consider coming to the Celebrate Recovery program, but also I want to encourage you to read your Bible this year. Uh, I did this last year too. I'll do this every year. Uh, find a daily program that you can do on your phone or on the computer or on paper and read your Bible, come to church, get in a life group, and begin to immerse yourself into the truth of who you are in Him. There is no easy way because we're bombarded in this world with the opposite mindset. So we have to develop and grow in the knowledge and the grace of God through all the tools that He's given us, right? Amen? So I hope that you are uh, ready for a different outlook on life. Let's stand together this morning uh, as we close in prayer. And I would just like to pray over us this morning. This is a big deal, and it's not an easy thing to teach because, um, because I didn't even know I was thinking this way for so many years of my life. It's mercy, there's the mercy of God that he uh, cracked my hard-headed skull, you know, open and helped me see some things years ago. And it was through people and it was through circumstances in my life that led me to a point where I was just desperate for change. I just knew I needed something. I didn't even know what I needed. I was a Christian. I was a pastor. I was reading my Bible. I was going to church. I was doing all that stuff. But I was trapped and I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know. But I, I got to a point in my, in my personal life where I just started to seek God. I said, God, I don't even know what's wrong with me. I just know something's missing, something's wrong. And I got sick of whatever I was, you know, 
just feeling and the way my life was. And I just knew it is time. I've got to go after God. I got to ask him. I got to seek him. I got to find him. And he answered my prayer. And he, he showed me, uh, you know, this revelation of love, which I had talked about, sung about, and preached about for years and didn't know, didn't experience, didn't experience it. And so I know um, that it's a hard thing because God has to help us see this. So all I'm going to say is if you're kind of feeling like that a little bit, you don't know what you don't know, but you know there's something that's not whatever it should be, then I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. But I want to ask you to go after God. Go after Him if you're tired of whatever it is that you're dealing with. And for you to go after God, I would say you should be going after Celebrate Recovery. I went through a program like that at that time in my life because I sought it out because I knew I didn't know what I didn't know. And I heard good things about this thing. So I like, I'm doing it. And I don't even want to do it. But I want to do it. You understand what I'm saying? It was, there's no way I was going to do something like that unless I was finally sick and tired of just whatever I was sick and tired of. So if you have anything like that in you, this is your time. This is the win for you um, to get involved, to go after God and to pursue that so that God can come into you, fill you with a whole different perspective and transform your life. Because he, he wants you. He loves you. He's for you. And I just want to close this, this service by praying for all of us, okay? Lord, I just thank you for today. And I thank you, Lord, that you love us. And Lord, I just pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation for each one in this room right now. And those who are watching uh, this message. Lord, I pray for your anointing to come upon our hearts and minds. Lord, when we truly turn to you and seek you, you say that when we seek you uh, with all of our heart that we will find you. And I pray for each one here who is going to seek you, God, that they will find you. They will find the answers. They'll find the revelation of your love. And Lord, they'll see the power that can transform their life. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to come out of darkness, come out of sin, to come out of that consciousness of our failures and the old identities and come into our new identity in Christ that we might be fully alive and free and loved and forgiven and aware of all our status in you. God, that we can truly outpour all of those wonderful things to those around us. God, anyone here this morning that's really struggling, Lord, I just pray that you help them right now, <clears throat> that you speak to them, God, that they don't put up with what they're dealing with right now any longer. But they just have the courage, give them the courage, Lord, to take that next step, to pursue you, uh, to go to celebrate recovery, whatever it is. Lord, to get after you, to seek you, and to have hope in you. And meet them, Lord, as they turn to you. Meet them, I pray in Jesus' name. Before we go, I just want to also pray for anyone here this morning that needs to get right with God. If you want to give your life to Christ and you... You haven't placed your faith in Jesus yet. I want to lead you in a prayer to do that. And this is the most important decision in your life because it's the beginning point of everything becoming new. This is the beginning point of uh, reconnecting with God and all of his resources and power that you can be free and have life to the full. 
If that's you, I just want to pray a prayer with you. Would you just lift your hand if that's you and say, Pastor, I want to pray with you to, to place my faith in Jesus today as the Lord and Savior of my life. Anybody here this morning that needs to do that, is ready to do that? Just lift your hand. All right. Well, I'm trusting that we all have done that. Lord, I just thank you for a great and awesome salvation. Lord, I pray a blessing on this week. Help us, Lord, to have a great new year. Lord, let your blessings pour out upon us and through us this coming year. Let's be the best year yet. The best year yet, Lord. Let your blessings flow in Jesus' name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Give you his peace in his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.